Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Donya Keating, finally back and ready to roll live from the Seattle area at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Monday, December 1st. Listeners, dial 646-378-0261 to chime in live. Press 1 on your keypad, lets us know you actually want to speak. And if you don't just want to use the chat feature, that should be working for you. Um, You might have to open a Blog Talk Radio account, and sometimes it's a little bit wonky. So... I'm not as bad with the crud as I was during the last episode, and that's good. But um, just some background on why we're doing this show today and another one on Thursday during our regularly scheduled time. Um, A few people had sent some private messages to our Facebook page asking why we weren't doing a show on the Michael Brown Ferguson issue, and some of them even accused us of ignoring it and not being a real straight talk show that tackles tougher topics. But, you know, first of all, whatever, and uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion. We try to listen. But there was no deliberate effort on our part to avoid the topic. I mean, we do one show a week on Thursdays at 3 p.m. unless a guest wants to move it to another day or time. And our host, me, had bronchitis. And so unless you want me to start channeling Linda Blair from The Exorcist, the 20th just wasn't going to happen. So the following Thursday was Thanksgiving Day uh, in the United States, and there's a no-go on that. And so we did jump back in as soon as we could with a show that's coming up again, like I said, this Thursday at uh, 3 p.m. So... The point is, though, we've had this situation before where people were very vocal online about an issue and they debated it and they were very, uh, you know, just very strident about it. And then we do a show and it's like dropping a feather into the Grand Canyon. So, I mean, I heard we had about 12,000 downloads for our show, the one show we had that was, is political correctness really the death of freedom? A lot of people uh, listened to it, but the only person who dared to speak live was Charles. So anyway, we challenged our fans out there to speak up publicly about participating in a show about Ferguson, and they responded. So here we are. Uh, we have about an hour to dance, so let's get started. But, you know, please, no crazy stuff. We're all adults here. We we are okay with different opinions, but let's try to be civil. So I think the first thing uh, we should do to kind of do some stage setting here is, you know, first things first, what happened? You know, I... I, I suppose uh, that depends. It depends upon uh, who you ask, uh, whether or not you believe what you've been told, and uh, any confirmation bias or predispositions which might influence your perception. Uh, but the basics, according to some of the official accounts out there, is uh, Michael Brown had just apparently robbed a nearby store of cigarillos, these little miniature cigars, and uh, he was walking back to his destination, whatever that was, with a friend. So they were in the middle of the street doing this, and Officer Darren Wilson encountered them and told them to get out of the street. Now, I don't know how he did that, but uh, some people say it was you know, officer-friendly, and some people say it, it wasn't. So anyhow, something else occurred to make him back up to where they were, and uh, some kind of a tussle uh, took place between Wilson and Brown, while the officer was still inside his squad car. Um, some punches were thrown, apparently. He tried to fire off some shots from within the vehicle. Uh, the the, um, uh, the uh, weapon did not uh, fire. And then he tried again, and then apparently it did. 
uh, at which point, I guess, both Brown and his associate took off running, um, at which point Wilson got out of the vehicle and fired several shots. Some say as Brown ran away, and then he turned around and started heading back towards the officer where he continued to shoot. Um, accounts of the eyewitnesses vary. Some say Michael Brown's hands were up in the air as if he was trying to surrender. Others say they weren't. Uh, some say he was still coming at Wilson, while others say he was stumbling forward uh, due to the shots. But um, I think uh, ultimately uh, a final shot to the top of Michael Brown's head was believed to be the one that killed him. So uh, footage of Brown was later shown allegedly taking the cigarillos in that store and then kind of shoving and, and roughing up the store owner. Um, as he was leaving. And so, of course, you know, the validity of that, that video was also questioned, and the Ferguson community joined many others in protest and, in some cases, riots regarding what they believed was another case of police overkill or profiling or, or, and or harassment. So after the grand jury hearing took place, um, Wilson was acquitted, and several in Ferguson and elsewhere uh, rioted. Brown's stepfather was heard yelling, burn this bitch down, you know, to the crowd. And so, and that's precisely what some of them proceeded to do. Um, so, I, you know, just kind of jumping over that to, I believe, as of yesterday, Wilson has resigned and he's citing a desire to allow the healing process and to protect his colleagues from the attention and death threats received as a result of this unfortunate uh, incident. So, I'm not trying to trivialize the situation by giving such a broad stroke. And I'm sure some of you out there have much more information than I do because, frankly, I, I've not really been uh, keeping as on top of this situation because I'm not really a fan of race baiting. Uh, I don't like media saturation, and I don't like uh, when people fan the flames towards more chaos. I think that uh, you know sometimes you have to try to go into the middle of that and, and guide people towards solutions that, that are a bit more constructive. But Let's talk a little briefly about what some of you think happened, or if there's no one out there, and I'll check with Chris in a second, uh, just some of my thoughts about it. So, all right, she's, there's nobody out there. See, I, you guys, I'm telling you, you you got to stop doing that. Anyway, it's a, it's a worthwhile subject, so let's just run with it. My thing, um, I don't know. The first thing I would say is dealing with the police. So, obviously, you don't want to approach aggressively. You certainly don't want to fight them. Um, that that's not going to usually typically end well for anyone. Um, on the other hand, I've heard, you know, there's a pattern of abuse of authority, and over time, respect deteriorates. I mean, if you no longer see your law enforcement as people being in your corner, and you no longer see them as people in positions of authority, uh, and, and somehow, you know, the dynamics shift because you you don't respect them the same way, then, you know, that's when you start getting people like, you know, Michael Brown or others that, that don't respond to commands, quote-unquote, and they challenge them. Uh, I'm not excusing that. I'm just noting that dynamic. But, I mean, just as a, a very basic rule uh, in terms of making sure that your transactions or your, your encounters with police don't go off the rails, you know, don't fight them. Uh, you know, if they say stop, you stop. If they say get out of the street, get out of the street. And, you know, certainly if they call you to their vehicle or if they want to talk to you, you're you're not going to start attacking them. Um the other thing that I heard a lot of when we were preparing this show was, you know, why were there so many shots? I mean, was it really necessary to shoot him that many times? I, you know, some reports say six, some reports say 12. Um, I don't think all of those hit, obviously. But the question was, was it really that much of a danger? I mean, was he really, was he wasn't unarmed and, and, and you know, was this, uh, you know, appropriate force? So I certainly 
would not want to be in a situation where adrenaline's pumping, fear of the unknown is out there, and other hostilities or beliefs uh, are driving that encounter. Um, and I, I really just don't even want to try to second guess that situation because I wasn't there. But you know, there is something to be said for you know being in the in the middle of a situation, not knowing what your real threat is, and uh, and reacting to that. And then on the other hand, uh, you know, making sure that your training uh, comes into play and you're able to be a little bit more moderating of, of how you respond. So I don't know, no judgment, just thoughts. Um, and then the other, uh, there are a few things out there, but I, well, something I noticed was the whole innocent victim slash he was just a boy. And it was very unfortunate that he did uh, die days later after he had graduated from high school, apparently. So he was he was only 18 years old. He was 6'4" and about 290-something pounds. But I think uh, Darren Wilson was also 6'4". He didn't weigh as much. He weighed uh, quite a bit. But, you know, they were kind of almost evenly matched there. But the efforts to portray Michael Brown as some kind of a young, unarmed innocent, um, as if he was somehow not a threat, I'm not sure that's the way I would go. Uh, I don't know anything about him. But if the video is accurate, it, it really did show an aggressive person who who really wasn't respecting the property of the uh, store owner there and felt it was his right to steal and then bully and shove on him when he was when the owner tried to stop him from doing that and I don't know if he was hopped up and that's why he pushed back on on Wilson and and I don't know if he wasn't but if that did happen um you know I don't know maybe it was just a mutually disrespectful altercation where one person had a gun and so ultimately that person's going to uh, triumph. But either way, it, it can't hurt to uh, use this as a teaching moment instead of, you know, oh, my God, he was just an innocent boy who was unarmed and this shouldn't have happened. I mean, there are a lot of factors um, that would influence that that statement as to whether or not this should have happened. And, you know, it's not just whether or not someone's an unarmed person or how old they are. And so by that teaching moment, um, what I mean is that as adults, we have the opportunity to tell our children about the realities that they face in the society, including, you know, influences of bigotry or prejudices, because they are real, uh, and some of the constructive ways to to respond to or diffuse that. And, uh, you know, there's a balance to be struck because there are some people that play the race card, and that's also a reality. But, you know, anger or frustration are understandable, and you, you don't want to... You don't want them to feel, anybody that's your children, you don't want them to feel powerless or at the mercy of abuse. You don't want them to escalate and bring more harm to themselves in the end. So this was an opportune moment, in my opinion, to show the youth about how we can take responsibility uh, and talk to them about bad behavior and what to do and what not to do when uh, encountered by the police and how it might produce unfavorable results. Instead of ignoring this or sub, you know, subordinating this this you know, aspect of that, that encounter um, and, and ignoring the value of those facts and then just playing to the emotions and fear about, you know, the, the police and the race and other things. I mean, so there was, there was really a moment here where we could have done a better job of exemplifying leadership and sound decision-making and, you know, easy to say when you're in the middle of something that's very heightened emotions and, and things like this and there's death and somebody's child is dead. But, you know, that's, leadership is not about when things are smooth. So uh, another thing that I thought of um, when I was looking at some of these things was respect for the community. That's kind of an obvious one. 
uh, uh, respecting property, respecting your community, uh, not destroying it, bringing forward a powerful message um, via protest versus the violence and the destruction, and using these um, opportunities to utilize tools versus weapons. And so again, you know, easy to say when you're not in the middle of something like this or it's not your child, but you you have to break the cycle somehow. And so when you're going in there and you're destroying property and community for of people who are completely unrelated to what took place there, you know, what message are you trying to communicate? And to what extent do you uh expect that behavior to uh, reverberate. I mean, what do you think people are going to think about you or your your community when you're doing things like that? How do you get the floor? How do you get at the table? How do you have a a credible bargaining position when you're doing something like that? And which leads me to the other part. You know, the racism is already there for some people. Uh, For others, it's kind of a little buried beneath the surface. They don't know it's there or they don't think it's there. And all of a sudden something happens and they start saying and thinking things that are very deep-seated, that are very bigoted. And so, you know, you've got the more extreme people that are going to, you know, turn it into some kind of a a racist thing, no matter what takes place. But there were some really bigoted memes out there on social media. And some of the people I even know uh, fell prey to it. You know, there's some OJ graphics out there where they say, oh, gee, well, well, the white people didn't protest or or, uh, riot, more specifically, uh, when OJ uh, was acquitted. And so, of course, no, they didn't. But the point is... Under, under, underlying that is that somehow white people are less violent or something, and, and you know, that's just ridiculous. The bottom line is if you look at history, all throughout history, numerous nations, uh, many centuries, ro- rioting, violence, protest, there is no race, there is no group of people immune from that behavior, even now in the 21st century. And you have to keep some of this stuff in perspective. I mean, history shows riots and protests around the world, um, Europe, Asia, Africa, it's it's not limited to blacks. And there were people in Seattle running across highways and becoming violent during uh, Ferguson. They were also rioting uh, in WTO and during the Occupy movements across the country and May Day here in Seattle. They're just some examples of protests which have turned quite violent or destructive, and, and blacks certainly weren't the predominant group doing it. So there are some statistics out there which don't reflect favorably upon the group as a whole. I get that. Uh, but the only reason and the only way, I should say way, to combat stereotypes for any group is um, you know, to, to be so great that it leaves others with less places to go. Uh, you're still going to face them from some people no matter what. But you know, just as a, a general operating procedure, you really want to be you know, as, as effective as possible uh, in, in the most productive way. And so uh, some other thoughts that I had, and there was an interview, I I only saw a clip of it, but it was Darren Wilson, and he was talking to, I don't even remember anymore, but it was some television person, and he said he didn't regret what he did, and uh, he talked about how he was terrified for his life, and uh, he thought about his family, and he, you know, some of the words he used, they people took the task, he said he thought he was a big hulking devil and all these other things, and, you know, people tried to to kind of marginalize that, but um, he was terrified for his life. He said he didn't know if he'd see his family again, and and he said uh, that he, you know, he he had. I, I don't know if he actually said he had no. Do you remember, Chris? If he said he had no remorse? Okay, I don't know. But anyway, some people said he came off cold and remorseless, 
And other people said that he just seemed calm and had the courage of his convictions, and he was somebody staring into the, you know, the headlights like a deer that just wasn't used to this type of attention, and he was trying to do the best he could. And, uh, of course, he was receiving death threats. His family was receiving death threats. Police were receiving death threats. I mean, there were so many people that you know, our immediate reaction to things like this is to, to start threatening to hurt or, or kill people because we're, we're, we're pissed off. And so I, I just don't know. I mean, who knows why he's the way he was on the television. But I just wanted to note that there was that interview. And, of course, now he's resigned. But um, I am curious about uh, what you – people that are out there, listeners, what you think about the incident and what you, what would you do, you know, to address it at this point? And what what are some of the solutions and opportunities to, to bridge communities, to bridge uh, understanding, to get to the facts of a case, frankly, um, I would say is important and, and, to, and what the role is as media, um, what obligation do they or we have to try to get at the truth and the facts and to, to publish that versus going for clickbait and audiences and, and ratings? So I don't know. I don't have the answers. Uh, there's nobody out there from what I hear from Chris. And so what I think I would invite you to do is if you want to go to our Facebook page or you want to send us another message or you want to talk on that forum if you feel like you you know, aren't going to feel comfortable about it, then then go do that, and we'll continue the conversation. But as far as as I see it, you know, looking at this, I, I um, there are no easy answers. I, I I think it's a very unfortunate thing that uh, Michael lost his life. I sometimes you only get one chance to do something uh, emotional or wrong or whatever you want to call it, and and, and it's just a very unforgiving. Uh, energy out there in the universe. You don't get a chance to screw up again. This one time you're done. And as far as I understand it, this entire altercation was over and done with in less than 90 seconds. So just think about that when you're making decisions uh, in life, when you're dealing with other human beings out there, whether they're law enforcement or otherwise, how quickly the decision and the the result um, can shift and you are no longer alive, but dead. And, uh, you know, there, there's got to be a lesson in that. And then the other thing about the rioting and the costs associated with getting communities back on track and and the anger and the rage and and in, in another way, you know, tr- holding people hostage to that emo- emotion to try to derive a certain result. You know, if you're angry at me and you want to talk to me, then I get that. But if you are angry at me and you want to talk to me, but first you want to beat the crap out of me, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm my first reaction is going to be to try to get away from you because I don't believe in unnecessary fighting. But if I can't get away from you, then I'm going to fight back and defend myself. And so you're not really having a conversation. Now you're just having a fight. So, I, I you know, at some point, you know, there has to be someone that um, – uh, not only at the community level, but at the leadership level, that takes the initiative and the responsibility for 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 keeping everyone on track. And there are some quote unquote leaders out there, self appointed or otherwise, who really get in the front of incidents like this, and they fan them, and they send out a lot of hyperbole, and and they rouse people, and you know, it, that just you know we're in the 21st century. Let's try something new. Let's try a different way to reach people. Let's try um, something that's more productive. I don't know what that is. I don't think there's one answer. But I think that over time you have to keep talking. And then, of course, the other piece of this is the extreme uh, 
any any excuse at all, any justification at all for just jumping straight into a white sheet. I mean, seriously. I've seen some stuff out there about how it's part of their culture and they can't help it and that's all they're capable of. And and then you've got others that are, you know, bleeding hearts that are making all sorts of excuses for them and citing, you know, 400 years ago and slavery and you know, all of this other Yes, those things are factors. Those things have happened. But you cannot live in the past. The only way that you can at least try on some level to to go forward constructively with people in the world that you have to live with, you have to coexist with them, is to find a way to deal with them without the charge of the past. It doesn't mean it didn't matter. It doesn't mean some of those things don't still occur on some level, because they do. Um, but I just also think that this stereotyping and, and generalizing and knee-jerk baiting um, or, or even some of the insincere uh, theoretical, hypothetical, you know, removed, let's just have an argument because we can on the topic, even though we know nothing about these people um, or any of the, you know, we have certain friends or whatever, but you don't know how these individuals are feeling. You don't know how they were raised. You don't know what their values are simply by virtue of where they live or where they grew up or how much money they make. You don't know anything about them. Um, try to Try to step back a little bit, I would say. Um, and try to deal with people individually and give them a little bit of credit. Um, and then there was another comment that I heard where someone talked about, uh, how did they put it? I forget what it was, but it, it's really basically if you're not someone who is as enraged, if you're a black person, for instance, and you are not enraged about Ferguson, then somehow you are not in the corner of your race. Or if you don't have a certain uh, in mass opinion about this, then somehow you're uh, an Uncle Tom or you're a uh, um, you know self loathing or what, whatever it is. I mean, the reality is that we have a lot of opinions about a lot of things, and some of us have different. Um, influences in our lives that lead to a certain set of values. That's not going to be something absorbed into some big osmotic black hole based upon your outer wrapping. So, you know, I saw some of that also on, on social media where people were just using any excuse at all to throw stuff into the um, into the shit bag. <laughs> there I've said it. And uh, just use it as a as a way to propagate more separ- separation between people instead of uh, trying to make things uh, better. So I don't know. I am going to check one more time with uh, Chris. I'm getting the thumbs down signal. There is no one out there who wants to talk live. I see quite a few comments coming in from her on the chat, but most of them are things that we have discussed. So I think what I'm going to do, even though it's a little bit early, is I'm going to sign off because I don't have to be here, and I did not. uh, It wasn't my topic to to, uh, start. I did it because you asked me, so here I am. Okay, anyway, so uh, I'm going to thank you for tuning in, and uh, this broadcast is going to become a podcast at the site you're using right now or on Facebook at backslash str 8 Talk Radio. That's Sam, Tommy, Roger, the number eight, and Talk Radio. We're also on iTunes, and you can see the icon in the upper right-hand corner there if you're on our site, uh, Blog Talk Radio site. So you can be sure to follow us here, and you can like us on Facebook and keep in touch and let us know what you're thinking. 
Also, let us know if you or anyone you know wants to be a guest or topics of interest you want to explore with us. Um, Speaking of uh, topics, this Thursday at 3 p.m. is David Mitchell, PMR Consulting, on our Dreamweaver series. And he'll talk about business building blocks in his new book, Building Your Booming Business, The Five Foundations Your Organization Must Have to Succeed. What time is it? What time do we have here? Oh, wait, I'm about to tune out and somebody just called. Oh, well, <laughs> this is your host, Donya Keating, signing off at about 3.25 or so Pacific Time on Monday, December 1st. We'll see you Thursday.